Welcome to Contemplate, a Bible teaching ministry of Pastor David Robinson and brought to you by Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington. Today we're going to start our study in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. And as we've seen, Paul is writing to these believers much like a father teaching his children. Please get out your Bible, and here's Pastor David. It's a blessing to be here with you today. If you're new, we're especially glad to have you. Not that those of you who aren't new, we don't love, but I like the new people more. It's just the way it is. Um, No, we're glad to have you here because we exist for you. We're here to see more and more people come into the body of Christ, come to know Jesus Christ. If you're here and you're a skeptic or you're just trying to check things out or see what this is about, we just welcome you here and I hope you get the chance to meet some of the folks here in this room because they are great folks, Uh, not because they're naturally great, because of what Christ has done in our lives. Uh, It's an amazing thing and so I hope that you get that opportunity. Uh, Lord willing, we're going to finish 1 Thessalonians today. Now, if you were here for Acts, you know that took about, I don't know, three years or so. And so, 1 Thessalonians in a few months, hey, I'm getting faster, all right? Um, I talk fast, so maybe that's why. I don't know. But um, we are, are going to try to get through this, this book. Uh, we're not going to go to the next two verses that I had, which was 11 and 12 of chapter 4, if that's what you've been studying for this week. I'm not going to do that because one of our elders, Scott Robertson, is going to be preaching on work in a month or two, a couple months from now, and I want him to be able to use those verses for that. I don't want to step on what he might be doing. And then, of course, Pastor Dave, a couple weeks ago, preached through the rest of chapter four and the first part of chapter five. So what we're going to do is we're going to be reading from chapter five uh, at verse 12 through the end of the chapter, okay? And here's the thing for today, because it's kind of an interesting little passage. What I want you to see, and I think this passage really can show it if you're looking for it, is the heart of this chapter. I want you to look past the words on the page and the fact that it's in this, you know, book that, that you call the Bible and the fact that it's, you know, almost 2,000 years old um, and, and just see it for what it is. What you have happening here is a letter inspired by the Holy Spirit written by Paul that is from the heart of God and of Paul towards the Thessalonian people. It's, it's, a, it's, it's about loving them. He loves these people like brothers and sisters, like a parent. He loves these people, and he's writing them this letter because he, he can't be there. He's leaving them in God's hands, and, and, and the, the love is real, and the passion for them is real, and yet he can't be there, and so he's got to write them this letter. And it's kind of like if any of you have ever had a child leave, right? Go to college, get married, whatever it may be, and, and maybe you wrote them a letter, Maybe some of you are just dreaming of the day when your kid will finally leave and you can write that letter. Some of you are laughing, others of you are crying. I, I get it. Um, take him out of the basement. It's, it's not worth it. Um, <laughs> oh. All right. Um, so we, uh, we want to give the best that we have, right? We want to give the best wisdom that we have to those who we love. And, and here's the thing, because what we're going to read is like kind of a series of these commands, a series of these things that, that God's telling us to do. And if you read them as rules, I think you get one sense of it. But if you read them like it's a letter from a parent to a child, a parent who loves their child and is urging their child towards, you know, don't take any wooden nickels and never, you know, play the lottery and do whatever you would say to your kid, right? Those things, those feel less like rules and more like something that's coming from the heart of your parent. 
right? And so Paul is urging the men and women in the body of Christ in Thessalonica as a parent would, as a parent would their child. Some of you know that my own daughter, Corey, uh, has become a young woman and is planning on getting married in June. Um, And so I will be dealing with uh, my daughter leaving the house. Uh, Assumedly, you are going to live somewhere else, right? Okay. (laughs) As Corey starts her new life, there's a lot of things that her mom and I want to not tell her, hopefully, for the first time, but remind her of, right? There's things that we want to say to her. That's what Paul is doing here in this letter. It'd be like the child who's getting married, the child who's going away. He's regularly throughout this letter referred to these Christ followers as his brothers and sisters. Brethren means brothers and sisters, right? And he said these things. He said, we were, he, he said, we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. So he feels like a parent and he feels like a brother and a sister and he can't be there and his heart hurts the way your heart would hurt if you couldn't be near your loved ones. But he's giving this letter. Now, there's a letter that I found um, that I thought was, it's written by a Christian mother, a woman named Ann Voskamp. You may have heard of her, I don't know. But uh, she wrote this letter to her son. It's kind of long. It's going to take me a couple minutes to read through it. But it's so similar to what Paul does here, and it expresses the heart of it. And I want our, I want our minds and our hearts to be in the right space as we read through this. So I'm going to read this letter to you. This is from Ann Voskamp to her son, who's leaving Dear son, who is called to climb a thousand walls, you have to know how your unfolding from me was a miracle. That's the miraculous thing about miracles. They really do happen. How is it in this crazy holy world does a girl woman bear a boy child? How does she raise a squalling boy child into a man? I've never been one of those. And this is the thing. There's only so much time to go from point A to point B. How did I waste so many days? How do I make you know everything you need to know before you go? How to love a woman and when to say yes and when to wear black socks instead of white? Dad, uh, my, my grandma didn't get that one done. So, um, And when to ask for directions. Oh, again. Um, and when to say no. That you'll be radical about grace and relentless about truth and resolute about holiness and vows and the real hills worth dying on. That you know how to make a bed, how to make a child laugh, and how to write a letter home. Did you know right when they laid you, you wrinkled in my arms, you had this curl of hair, this swirl of hair on your forehead, you got it from me. That turning, swirling cowlick that I got from my dad, who got it from his mother. This is how these things go, turning around and passing torches on. I turn around and you're 16 and you're leaving for a jet plane at 3.30 a.m. When the first time you ever get on a plane, you fly for the jungles of Indonesia, the farthest away from us, On this spinning blue marble, your father says this farm won't be big enough to keep you anymore. When he says it, he says it a bit like something hurts inside. He's made his life about showing you what real leadership is. Not climbing higher towards power and status, but bending down in prayer and service. He's been dead to all ladders, and that's what made him so alive. Reaching down to the lonely, the lost, and the least. I roll all your shirts and stack them one upon another like all the years and know that this is just the beginning of the leavings. I bite my lip hard and try to be brave like the day you were born 
How could my mothering take so many U-turns and still get here so fast? I hadn't known how fast the wings would come and that you would fly into the dark, into the sun, and so soon, that when you became a man, I'd feel so empty and so very fulfilled. I wish we had read even more books, and I had said yes to every game of Scrabble. The Bible's true, son. Every infallible, sword-sharp, breathing word of it. Don't let anyone ever rationalize one beautiful iota of it away. Love it, because it's your life. And the only life living is a scandalous one, scandalous love, offensive mercy, foolish faith. Kiss babies always have one friend that feels on the fringe that you have to pray to love that makes the neighbors scratch their heads. Stubbornly pray for your enemies till you see enemies are an illusion and everyone is a friend and somehow grace. Believe in every woman's God-sized dreams and rub her feet at the end of the day. Be the kind of person who apologizes first because that's the only way happiness can last. And never forget that happiness is when his word and your walk are in harmony. Never stop keeping company with Christ and all the sinners, tax collectors, and castoffs. Be an evangelist and use your words with your hands because you are part of a body and never stop loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul and loving others as yourself. Make that your creed. It's true, son. Be different and know everything you do matters. It's what the Christ followers know. One man with God can change a culture. God didn't put people in your path mostly for your convenience. He put you there for theirs. Loving the poor will make you rich, I promise. Only when you offer yourself as bread broken and given to a hungry world will you ever be satisfied. The only life worth living is the one lost. And no matter how loud and crazy and broken the world is, child, let joy live loud in your soul. And believe that you are his beloved. It's only when you trust he loves you that you really begin to live. Really count a thousand blessings more. Never stop. Why wouldn't you want joy? Sing to no one and everyone on the front porch in the rain and laugh so much they question your sanity. Pet the dog long. Because really none of us knows how long we have. Remember that a pail with a pinhole loses as much as the pail pushed right over. A whole life can be lost in minutes wasted, in the small moments missed. None of this is forever grace. That's why it's amazing grace. Do it often. Grab a lifeline by stepping offline. You'll see your true life when you look for your reflection in the eyes of souls, not the glare of screens. This is what you always need to know. You have nothing to prove to anyone. If you're in him, you're already approved. Be okay with not being liked. Life is not about applause. It's about altars. And be okay with not being seen or heard. It'll let you see and hear better. It's late when you lay your Bible on the last of the packed clothes and check off the last thing, thinking you've remembered everything. I know I've forgotten something, many things. This parenting gigs an experiment in radical grace, and the work of every parent is to fully give to the child, and is the work of every child to fully forgive the parents. This is how it turns, a torch passing from one to the next. Remember that we made meals and beds and mistakes and memories, and look hard for the good ones. You zip up the suitcase, I try to keep it in, what's blurring and spilling. That no matter the road or what paths you cross, wear the call to his sacrificial, radical way. You've taken hold and I'm letting go. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. I will never stop loving and letting you go. A mother and a child live 
the first great love story. And there is no love story without loss. And this is always gain. Remember this no matter where you fly. Love your mama who believes in the thousandfold miracle. That's all grace. I don't have much more to say than that. She is good. um, A great writer. A great letter. And if you can feel the heart that's there, you'll start to understand these letters that sometimes seem like they're written in sort of stilted language that are written a long time ago to these churches. These are not just lists of rules for people to follow. That these letters are much closer to what you just heard from Ann Voskamp to her son, who she adored, than they are a a way to make people obey certain things or fall under certain rules. It's in that spirit that this letter is written. So let's read the end of this letter to the Thessalonians from Paul. We're going to start at verse 12. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat next to you somewhere um, in the back of those little pockets. If you don't have one at home, feel free to take one of those home with you. Chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, starting with verse 12. And we urge you, brethren, that's brothers and sisters, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. And admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. You feel it? Do you see the similarity between those two letters? One from a mother to her son and one from Paul who was there to see that church begin to his beloved brothers and sisters who he's raised up like a parent. And the kinds of things that they say are so similar And the heart in which they say them is so similar. The desire to see the best for them. The desire to see them grow and live in peace. Now we're going to hit through a number of those specific urgings today in our sermon. And we're going to kind of walk through them. But I want us to take each one of these. And instead of thinking of it as some sort of uh, command or rule that's cold and distant is to think of it much more like something that God has given us as his children in a letter that he's written to us as we head off to college. And that letter that he's written is we have to kind of do some things on our own and grow as opposed to this distant command that's coming from some distant God. See, it's easy for me, and I think for a lot of us, to just see things as rules. This stuff in the Bible is the stuff that we do so that God doesn't get mad at us, Right? We got to do the right thing or God's going to be mad at us. Or we got to do the right thing because what will people think of us? If I don't look right or act right or do whatever and I come into church on a Sunday, what are they going to think? What are they going to say about me? Right? 
things that we do to try to measure up to some standard. But that's not what this is about. That's not the heart of this. This isn't about do this because if not, zap. It's not God's heart. It's do this because this is my will for you and I love you and I'm giving you the best that I have. The best that I have. God loves you passionately and intensely and he wills the best things for you. And so he's written through Paul this letter to you. This is not a letter from an angry God or a heartless dictator. These are instructions from the heart of a father, of our father. So let's walk through the passage, a couple of the pieces in it. It starts with, and we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. There's a lot here in this little section. I could certainly do a sermon or two just on this, but here's the thing. First thing that just pops out. Leaders are called to be hard workers. They're called to be hard workers. Recognize those who labor among you. Recognize those who are working hard for you. Leadership is service, period. There's no other kind within the economy of Jesus Christ and his church. There's no other kind of leadership but service. And anyone who thinks that leadership is about ladders, about climbing over other people, about getting your way, you're in, you've been looking at the wrong leaders. And you're in the wrong place for that kind of leadership. Leadership is about service, serving, washing feet, not raising up, kneeling down, crying with those who are crying, Rejoicing with those who are rejoicing, cheering for those who are succeeding, comforting those who have faced failure. That's what leadership is, service. I know that there's a lot of people in this world that look at leadership very differently, that look at it as a way to, to tell people what to do, look at it as a way to gain glory and applause for themselves, but there's nothing Christ-like in any of that. Wasn't that an amazing letter that Pastor David read? It really helps us see these letters from Paul in a whole new way. Next time, we'll continue this look at servant leadership, and I hope you'll join us. Until then, let me remind you that this same kind of no-nonsense Bible teaching happens every week here at Acts Church, and we would love to have you join us. Easy directions and all the info you need are available anytime at axchurchnw.org. Well, that's all our time for today. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll be right here next time for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.